Welcome to the Warrior Families Movement, where we learn how to create lives and homes in which you and your family are all passionately engaged in using your gifts and the fight for good. I'm your host, Karen Bates, and I'm excited to journey with you as we learn to let go of the weights of distraction, perfectionism, comparison, and control so we can freely walk with courageous purpose and loving presence on our unique paths. Each episode is designed to shine light on a step you can take toward your inspired dreams and vision for lifting your family and lighting the world. Welcome back. I hope you all had a really nice Easter weekend. Ours was pretty good. There was definitely some chaos, but a lot of good too. One thing the entire weekend did for me was to magnify some of the feelings and desires I've been having. Have you ever wanted something so much it kind of feels like it's hurting in your heart? There have been numerous experiences in my life lately that have made me feel this way. A recent one happened when I was facilitating at the ropes course last week for an addiction recovery group. There was something about their sincerity and humility in their desire to live more true to themselves that really touched my heart. I wanted so badly for them to really see who they were and what they were capable of as they worked with God, baby step by baby step, towards their goals. I could tell they were getting glimpses into it while we were there, but I wanted them to be able to keep that truth firm in their minds after they left, when the temptations were right in front of them and the glimpses were behind them. I struggled remembering this too, but I knew that if they could remember who they were, what they really wanted, and kept getting up and trying again when their actions went against these truths, that they would, without a doubt, reach their beautiful goals they had for themselves. I wanted that so badly for them. A couple of days previously, I had been talking with some youth who were really struggling with anxiety. They felt weak and incapable of ever doing anything worthwhile because they were not seeing themselves clearly. Their view was blocked by these feelings of despair, worry, and hopelessness. I wanted so much again to transfer my understanding over to them of who they really were, what they were capable of, and how much they were needed. I so wanted to know how I could help them remove the false beliefs that stirred these feelings that kept them from seeing what I saw in them and what I knew God saw in them. Also, right before driving home from the experience at the ropes course, I had talked to a friend who told me about a young family member she was missing who had been so smart, so kind, handsome, compassionate, had so much potential, but he ended his life early because he did not think there was a way out of the deep depression he was feeling. I desperately wish he could have somehow glimpsed the reality of who he was and the certainty that the light he wanted would come if he kept reaching for it and didn't give up. My heart hurt for him, for her, for his family. As I drove home, the question kept nagging at my mind. What was my part in helping people see who they really were and how much they were loved? Was there something I could do to help? I'm sure you relate to this feeling of loving someone so much and wanting so badly for them to see their current goodness and strengths along with their potential and capacity. I have family members I'm currently feeling this way about too. I understood where they were coming from because my misunderstandings about myself and others have also caused feelings in me of inadequacy and anxiety often in my life. Even now, these feelings will at times block my view Numerous times each day, when I get too rushed in my day or focused on my overwhelming to-do list, I simply forget to reach out and trust. It's definitely easier to see this tendency in others and harder to see it in myself. All I know is that it hurts to see them hurting and to wish I could give them a more clear view of who they are 
but being unable to transfer that view to them when they don't see it for themselves. The discussion I'd had with the group at the ropes course had been beautiful, though. They had come to see themselves and their hearts more clearly through their own words and thoughts after each activity. The truth is there for all of us to grasp when we are sincere and we're seeking it. I realized I didn't have to transfer this view to myself or to anyone. It was already there within each of us. The key is to live life with a more open heart to this truth around us and within us. To be willing to face our fears and take the next step on our path, even and especially if it's uncomfortable. It's out of our comfort zone that we find peace. It's also where we grow into the joy of who we are meant to be. So what was my next step? What did God want me to do to help his children see who we were, what we were capable of, and how much we were loved? We're all definitely in need of that vision at times. We all feel despair about our weaknesses and failures to live up to our ideal. We all give up at times in a variety of ways. We may decide to stay in bondage to our addictions or to live in misery by pushing through the grind and not believing our inspired dreams are possible or disbelieving that we can do much to help in the struggles we see around us. I really wanted all of us to feel safe and hopeful because of the undeniable truth manifested in every sunrise that darkness is always temporary. When we're reaching for light, light will always come. No matter how many times we fall, if we keep trying, we will conquer and we will come to see the absolute truth that each of us have a part to do in this world, that no one else can do it, and that we and many others will suffer if we choose to give up. But if we keep reaching for light during each time of darkness or failure, we will for certain find the purpose, fulfillment, clarity, and joy we seek. The fact is that it's that reaching that transforms us into who we're meant to be and into having the love, power, and strength to do something about the problems we feel and see. I knew the strong desire in me to share my understanding about each person's potential and the clear steps to finding our own path to lighting lives, families, and the world was there for a reason. So what was I to do with it? As I consider this, a song came on in the car from my Spotify playlist called What Am I To Do? from the New Lamb of God concert film. It's about Peter the Apostle trying to figure out his part in God's work. It felt rather relatable. My list was on shuffle play, and the next song that came on was from the same album, but it took place later. It was a time when Peter and John are on a boat fishing after Christ had been resurrected, and they're not having much success. A man from the shore tells them to cast their net on the other side. When they see all the fish, John exclaims, It is the Lord. Peter jumps off the boat to swim to him. On the shore they eat, and then Jesus asks Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? He asks this three times, and Peter answers yes three times. And all three times Jesus tells him to feed his sheep. I knew that was my answer too. But still I wondered how. What was my part exactly? Then I remembered a passage in a book I'd been reading the night before. The book is called Christy, and it's based on the true story of a young lady who answers a call she feels to go teach school in the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee, where there was a lot of need and a lot of poverty. In this scene, Christy has just been to visit a family who is living in filth and ignorance and in so much need. She felt sick to her stomach and wondered if she was actually cut out for this work. She was thinking that maybe she'd made a mistake in going. In this part of the book, she is sharing all of these fears with Miss Alice, who is her mentor and who had started the work there. Miss Alice sympathizes with how hard it is to see suffering and to see the dark things in the world. Then she said, Maybe it's just as well this happened. 
Now is as good a time as any to decide whether you'll go home or not, provided you make decisions based on a true basis. What do you mean, a true basis? Christy asked. The way life really is. Not much of life can be as bad as what I saw this afternoon. You'd be surprised. Every bit of life, every single one of us, has a dark side. When you decided to take this teaching job, you were venturing out of your particular ivory tower. I know. I was reared in an ivory tower, too. Then we get our first good look at the way life really is, and a lot of us want to run back to shelter in a hurry. Did you ever want to run back? I? Yes, certainly. I'm a classic example. At age 16, I had, shall we say, a difficult experience. So difficult that after that, I didn't ever again want to see any dirt or blood or disease or cruelty or death. Ever since, God has been gently, steadily prying the little girl's hand off the little girl's eyes. How? How did he pry your hands? Through circumstances. Through plunging me over and over into situations where I had to look, had to see reality. Bad circumstances? Really bad? Really bad. Then Christy explains, there was no mistaking the quiet emphasis of her words. My eyes searched Miss Alice's face in an effort to read everything there. But how could it have been that bad? I probed. I can't see that you've been scarred by any of it or coarsened. At this point, Miss Alice in the book describes some really awful scenes that she had to witness. And then Christy interrupts. Please, I said desperately. I don't want to hear any more. Miss Alice looked at me curiously. You're sensitive, Christy. So am I. You want to know why seeing stark evil hasn't made me rough or bitter? She seemed to be seeing into her past. Then she took a deep breath and plunged on. Remember I said it was God who was prying the little girl's hands off her eyes, as if you were saying, I can't use ivory tower followers. They're plaster of Paris. They crumble and fall apart in life's press. So you've got to see life the way it really is before you can do anything about evil. You cannot vanquish it. I can. But in my world, the battle against evil has to be a joint endeavor. You and me. I, God, in you can have the victory every time. After that, he was always right there beside me looking at the dreadful sights with compassion and love and heartbreak. His caring and his love were too real for bitterness to grow in me. Then Chrissy goes on to ask how a good God could stand by and see that suffering and see the evil. And Miss Alice explains that God had to give us genuine freedom of choice to go his way or to refuse to go his way. After they talk about that for a while, Miss Alice goes back to the concern that Chrissy had had. She says, But we were talking a while ago about running back to your ivory tower. You see, Christy, evil is real and powerful. It has to be fought, not explained away, not fled. And God is against evil all the way. So each of us has to decide where we stand, how we're going to live our lives. We can try to persuade ourselves that evil doesn't exist. We can compromise with it, keep quiet about it, and say it's none of our business. Or we can work on God's side, listen for his orders on strategy against the evil, no matter how horrible it is, and know that he can transform it. Then Miss Alice talks about the importance of opening our hearts to the grief and pain around us, and how God will absorb it and change it through his mending power. It's really a beautiful passage, and you really should go read it. 
But I'll just read you some of the last things she says before she leaves. Because I know they are so true. They touched my heart so deeply as I read them because this truth resonated so much with me. It's the reason I get up in the morning to write and record these podcast episodes or work on my program or have eight kids that I homeschool and why I'm making plans to start an educational program at the ropes course next year. I know that what she says here is so important and it's true and I can't be quiet about it until everyone knows it. Christy asked, but what does this have to do with my going home or not? Everything to do with it. Who are you, Christy? I wish I knew, but you can know. You're important, terribly important. Each of us is. You're unique. No one else in the world can fill Ida's place or David's place or mine or yours. If you don't do the work that's been given you to do, that work may never be done. Guys, do you feel how true that is for each of us? And not in a stressful way. It's a gentle invitation to the work ahead for us. We don't have to know exactly what it is right now. We simply need to grow into it by keeping our priorities straight and listening each day for our personal directives from God about how to help that day and what to learn or study. As we practice this, we will begin to see our talents and have so much joy in using them to fight that darkness and grow the light and love around us. There is no greater happiness. That is what I want to shout from the rooftops, what I want to share in this podcast, what I wanted to share with our recovery group I was with, and tell the youth I talked to who were struggling, and what I so wish that young man who left this world too soon could somehow have seen. That is what motivates me to take my next step, which I now saw was to go home and love my kids and get up the next day, reach up to God, seek direction for how to help and grow that day, and then make my very best and very flawed effort to do it. The past few days, as I reflected on Easter and the price that has been paid for our time on this earth and our ability to progress, I pondered on why God felt that we were worth that price and what He must have known about our potential that we don't yet see. I know that He is always reaching out to us, and if we keep reaching towards Him, even when we stumble and fail and fall, we will continue to know the next step in our personal journey. We will know the next thing we need to do to build our character and become the people God needs us to be, to do the important work He has for each of us. We each have a unique way of feeding His sheep. No one can take our place. I love you all. I so hope you can all remember how vitally important you are and that with God's help you can conquer any evil within you and around you. His love can heal all of us and grow us into more than we have the capacity to imagine. We are His children and have His divinity within us. Anytime we sincerely reach for Him, we are exactly where we are meant to be. We are at that point where all things past, present, and future will work together for our good and for the good around us. That is the power we are celebrating this Easter season. No matter what is going on in our lives, we all have great reason to rejoice in that. I hope we will all remember this and have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please share it with anyone who could find it helpful. I also wanted to mention that we will be starting preparations for next year's Find Your Path program at Classrobes course and having a meeting on Monday. So if you would like to be involved with that in some way, please email me at karen at warriereducation.com. I'm also starting a new round of the online Find Your Path program for moms next week. So let me know if you would like more information on that. 
or go to the website under programs, then boot camps, and then you'll find the Find Your Path membership program. I will link all of that, my email, and all of the songs I referenced in this episode in the show notes. Bye for now.